Hey, it's Stu with Bitcoin and Financial Independence. And I was recently listening to Robert Breedlove's podcast, What is Money? And he had a guest on, this is back in the archives, episode 33. He had Robert Kiyosaki on his podcast. Some of you might recognize that name. He is the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, a best-selling investment book. And it's also the first investing and finance book that I ever read. My dad had me read it back in 2009. And one day I will have my kids read it. There are some criticisms and some controversies surrounding this book, but for me, it was a huge mindset shift and it really got me thinking about money and investing and how to succeed financially in life. It really got me interested in becoming financially independent. And I just went and pulled my copy from the shelf and I'm going to read some highlighted sections. But the book starts out with the story of a rich dad and a poor dad. The poor dad is Robert Kiyosaki's real dad. And his real dad worked, I believe he was a professor, he had a PhD. And the rich dad is not his dad, actually. It's his friend's dad who is a business owner. And he just noticed these different attitudes about money between his dad and his friend's dad. Early on in the book, here are some of the differences. The poor dad would say, I've worked hard for the government and I'm entitled to these benefits. The rich dad believed in total financial self-reliance. He spoke out against the entitlement mentality and how it created weak and financially needy people. He was emphatic about being financially competent. One dad struggled to save a few dollars, the other created investments. One dad taught me how to write an impressive resume so I could find a good job. The other taught me how to write a strong business and financial plan so I could create jobs. The poor dad said, I'll never be rich, and that prophecy became reality. The rich dad always referred to himself as rich. He would say things like, I'm a rich man, and rich people don't do this. So he would identify as rich and make that a self-fulfilling prophecy. Rich Dad would say, there is a difference between being poor and being broke. Broke is temporary, poor is eternal. Poor Dad would say, I'm not interested in money or money doesn't matter. Rich Dad would always say, money is power. Rich Dad would also say, I don't work for money, money works for me. Now I also had this mentor in college that kind of got together with a group of young men and taught us the principles in Rich Dad Poor Dad, which I already knew pretty well but a lot of the other guys did not. And he distilled things down onto paper, a piece of paper that I still have to this day, and here are some notes from it. Point number one, it's not what you know, but how fast you learn that counts. Work to learn, don't work for money. That's point number one. Point number two, money does not solve problems. Intelligence solves problems. If it can be solved with money, it's not a problem. So that to me is a really key insight. Financial intelligence is essential. It solves problems and produces money. Financial intelligence is developed by studying communication skills, writing, speaking, negotiation, accounting, investing, economics, law, sales, and software. Study hard so you will be able to find a good company to buy. Learn to write strong business plans that will create jobs for your employees. No need to learn how to write a resume if you do this. We live in the information age. Information is priceless. Use technology to manage and manipulate information so you can learn faster. Learn a little about a lot of things. Don't specialize. Hire smart people that already did specialize. Now, as I scan through this paper full of insights from the book, this next insight is the one that to me really makes a difference. This is the key takeaway from the book. And this is also the key takeaway from the podcast that I listened to with Robert Kiyosaki and Robert Breedlove. But know the difference between an asset and a liability, and then acquire assets. A lot of people think they know the difference between an asset and liability. Some people might not be so sure. But when it comes down to it, an asset is something that simply puts money into your pocket 
on a regular interval, whether that's quarterly through dividends, whether that's monthly through rent payments, or maybe it's something like an Airbnb that pays you every week it's rented out, or a business that pays you every day as you take in revenue. An asset is something that creates positive cash flow. So here are some examples. I already kind of gave some, but businesses that do not require your presence, stocks, mutual funds, bonds, income generating real estate. Liabilities, on the other hand, are things that take money out of your pocket. And there's a lot of debate in the financial world about is a house a liability or is it an asset? The house that you live in. A lot of Americans, I mean, the American dream is to buy a house and climb the ranks. And historically, buying a house is a way to financial freedom. It has been. Uh, home prices have always, for the most part, risen. Aside from that little hiccup back in 2008, 2009, real estate has been a vehicle that goes up in value for most Americans. And obviously, it really depends on where you live. But the house that you live in, I mean, in a way, it can be an asset like my house. It doesn't make me any money, but I was able to borrow against it when it went up in value. And I can use that to buy other things like stocks. Or in my case, I bought Bitcoin with it, which doesn't provide me any cash flow. And instead, I have to pay interest. But at the same time, hopefully I get some appreciation on that Bitcoin in the future to where it was worth it. I'm still waiting. It's been two years and it hasn't been worth it yet. But I still think it'll pay off. So liability takes money out of your wallet, out of your pocket, out of your bank account. It's a drain on your finances. For example, cars. You think you need them to get to work. And so therefore, some people consider them a asset. But really, you're just paying to maintain it. And most Americans would be better off with a cheap, older car that just gets them from point A to point B instead of a newer or more fancy model car. One of the things that has always stuck with me with Robert Kiyosaki is he says to buy assets and then use the cash flow from those assets to buy your liabilities. So if you want to buy, we'll say, a mountain bike for $2,000, what Robert would say is to buy assets that would pay you $2,000 before you buy the bike. So maybe you need to buy a rental that cash flows $400 a month, and then within about five months, you've earned $2,000, go ahead and buy that liability, and guess what? You still get to continue collecting that $400 a month. And so you're actually going to make almost $5,000 a year off of this asset. Alternatively, you could buy dividend stocks or you could buy shares of a rental through crowdfunded platforms like Fundrise, Streetwise, Fintor, or even uh, a place like Worthy Bonds that sells bonds to companies and pays you 5% interest. So there are ways that you can buy assets that will cash flow you money and pay you so that you can then go ahead and buy those liabilities, but first acquire the assets. Another idea that I've had and that has become more and more possible with the internet is that you can turn a liability you already have into an asset. If you have a new enough car, you can hop on Turo and rent your car out and have that car be earning you money on the weekends when you don't need it. Maybe you have two cars and if you plan out your week, you can find three days where you only need one car and you can turn that liability of your car into an asset, something that is giving you cash flow and paying for its own maintenance. You can rent out an area of your garage as a storage unit with neighbor. If you have a pool in your backyard, you can rent out your swimming pool with Swimply.com. You can even rent out bikes, scooters, power equipment. You can rent out just about anything on this website called Fat Llama. Now, not a lot of people know about it unless you're in one of the bigger metro areas like LA, New York, or Chicago. But you can sometimes find these opportunities. You might have a kayak or a boat that you blow up, like an inflatable kayak canoe or maybe like a whitewater raft. You can rent out so many things these days that you can turn these liabilities into assets. So that's one of the things that this book, 
that Robert Kiyosaki wrote that I really like because it gets your creative juices flowing on how you can make more money. Another thing in the book that Poor Dad would say is he would always say, I can't afford it. But Rich Dad would always say, how can I afford it? When you say to yourself, I can't afford it, you are shutting down your mind. You are shutting down your creativity. When you ask yourself, I want this thing, but I don't have the money right now. What could I do to afford this? How can I afford it? You then start to think of different business ideas and ways to maybe make a side hustle work or earn some extra money. And that has been a key mindset shift throughout my life. Now I'm going to continue on with a few more points from this list of my mentor made in college. Another key takeaway from the book is that winners aren't afraid of losing, but losers are. Failure and losing is part of the process of success. People who avoid failure also avoid success. Next one, uh, don't listen to poor or frightened people regarding financial matters. Next point is that the hardest part of running a company is managing people and learning to lead. You also need to know cash flow, management of personal time, and prioritization. The road that starts easy usually turns out hard, and the road that starts hard usually becomes easier. Just a few more notes here. There are two rules of business, and number one is that cash is king. And number two is information is queen. Now, some might change number one to be cash flow is king and not just cash. If you are an entrepreneur or a business owner, your business needs different things at different times. If you are in a period of change and uncertainty, you really need a good leader at that point. That's more inspiring. But if you are in an area of constancy and things are fairly predictable, there's not a lot of change or disruption, then you need good management. Now, when it comes to any sort of schooling or getting a college education, the purpose is not the degree. The purpose is to learn how to learn and to work to learn. The world is changing fast. We got ChatGPT now threatening jobs, supposedly, threatening the whole business model of Chegg, which is like a study help website for college students, because now who's going to use and pay for Chegg when you could just use ChatGPT and get the same information for free? The people that learn the fastest are the winners, because at some point, what you learned in the past might become obsolete or might change or might become more nuanced. Your old information may no longer be relevant. You have to stay on the cutting edge. One of my college professors gave the advice that you need to spend five hours per week learning something that you don't do in your day job, learning something unrelated from your day job. So I work in IT and I have pigeonholed myself into a little bit of a hole because my bread and butter is SQL. And what I really need to be learning is Python. So I've been learning on that as well because Python is used for machine learning, for data manipulation. It can do automation stuff. It's a lot more versatile than just SQL, and it's a lot more widely used. If I can get into Python, then I can possibly uh, leverage that into other technologies as well. So those are some takeaways from the Rich Dad Poor Dad book. Now, what's interesting, going back to the interview with Robert Kiyosaki and Robert Breedlove, I've kind of gone off track here from what I intended and gone on a tangent, but I hope it's valuable information because it was life-changing for me. But Robert Kiyosaki, you know, he's on Twitter and he's on this podcast. Here's a tweet from Robert Kiyosaki last week. He says, politicians debating raising 30 trillion U.S. debt limit is bad comedy. The facts are the U.S. is bankrupt. Unfunded liabilities and Social Security are over 250 trillion. Financial market derivative assets are measured in quadrillions, thousands of trillions. WTF, buy G, S, and BC. And what he means by that is to buy gold, silver, and Bitcoin. He doesn't usually type BTC, the ticker for Bitcoin. He usually types BC, which is kind of funny. And this is what he says on the What Is Money podcast. He says, you need to buy assets, 
need to avoid liabilities or sell liabilities that you have, and you need to buy insurance. Bitcoin, gold, and silver do not pay you anything for holding them. There's no dividend. There's no earning. There's just appreciation. The price can go up or down, but it's an unproductive asset. This is why Warren Buffett doesn't like metals. He doesn't like gold or silver. He likes businesses that cash flow. He likes businesses that pay you dividends. He likes just having that cash flow roll in, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's a uh, different approach, though. Robert Kiyosaki, he likes businesses, and then he also doesn't like to pay taxes. So that's why he buys real estate, because there are a lot of tax advantages to owning real estate. So he buys businesses to make money. He buys real estate to lower his taxes. And if it cash flows a little bit, all the better. And then he buys these unproductive assets, gold, silver, and Bitcoin. These are what he calls insurance. Insurance for what? And I've seen several quotes, actually. Uh, here's one. This is on Business Insider, a headline that says, Legendary investor Bill Miller says Bitcoin is insurance against financial catastrophe. And he still holds a very big position in it. So I'm going to skim a few things from this article. Bill Miller describes holding Bitcoin as insurance against a financial calamity. The legendary investor said the notion that Bitcoin holds no intrinsic value is correct and compared the digital asset to high value collectibles such as a Picasso painting. It's like an insurance policy. Insurance policies have no intrinsic value. In fact, you want them to have no intrinsic value. You don't want to have your house burned down or get in a terrible accident, but you pay for insurance every year in case that happens. Bitcoin is insurance against financial catastrophe as we see in Lebanon or in Afghanistan or many of these other countries where we saw that financial catastrophe around the time of the pandemic. Here's another article. This one is from CNN Business, and I'm not familiar with this guy, but Travis Kling, he's the founder and chief investment officer of a crypto hedge fund. And the article says that some still see Bitcoin as the ultimate hedge against disaster. Travis Kling says, there is a really good chance we have something better than gold. It's like a CDS against fiscal and monetary policy irresponsibility. And a CDS is a credit default swap. It's akin to an insurance policy. And these financial instruments pay out when a borrower defaults on debt. So there's Travis Kling's take. And then Greg Foss, who I met in Miami, he has this quote in this article. It says, you can look at Bitcoin as being insurance on the failure of a basket of fiat currencies. $200 trillion is the liability just of the United States. You take 160 basis points times $200 trillion, and you get $3.2 trillion would be the implied insurance value on the United States. What is Bitcoin trading for? Well, about half a trillion dollars. So that's an interesting way of thinking about Bitcoin's valuation and what it could potentially be in the future. There's another article here from Bitcoin Magazine, I'll, I'll quote. You know what happened in Canada, and uh, Greg Foss also talked a lot about that with the truckers' peaceful protest. But this article from Bitcoin Magazine says that Bitcoin is an insurance against a state gone rogue. We should thank the government of Canada for reminding us the true value of independent money. And then coming back full circle to Robert Kiyosaki, on May 18th of this year, he tweeted, soft landing, hard landing, or crash landing. He's talking about how the Fed is trying to tamp down inflation without causing a recession. And that would be called a soft landing. If they make it a hard landing, we're going to tamp down inflation, but then we're also going to have a depression or recession. So Robert's saying soft landing, hard landing, or crash landing. I say crash landing. I hope I am wrong, yet that is what I believe. Corruption is high and leaders are corrupt. Buy gold, silver, Bitcoin. Still the best insurance against corruption and incompetence. So there you have it. If you haven't read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I highly recommend it. It really wasn't covered that much on Robert Breedlove's podcast. It was really boiled down very, very simply to the concept of you need to buy assets. 
and avoid liabilities or sell your liabilities or downsize your liabilities. And then more than ever, in a world of inflation and collapsing fiat currencies, you need insurance. Insurance against corruption, insurance against the state, insurance against hyperinflation, insurance against central bank digital currencies and financial catastrophe. So this is why I recommend, and remember, this is not financial advice, and you must do your own research because this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This is why I recommend people have a 1% to 10% Bitcoin allocation. 1% of your portfolio is not going to make or break you. Either way, on your returns, you will hardly notice it. But I think the more you understand it, the more you are willing to allocate it. I've said in recent weeks, it's the only position I'm adding to other than just paying down my real estate mortgages, which you could say is increasing my real estate equity and my real estate exposure. But I'm not actively adding anything to my real estate portfolio at this point. Anyway, I'm going to wrap up. I hope you enjoyed the episode and learned something new. Try to think about how you can turn those liabilities into assets and how you can afford the things you want in life by buying smart investments and good cash flowing assets. You are your greatest asset. Invest in your learning. And remember that financial independence is doable. And I'll be back with you soon.